So in life, uh, every once in a while, you get to meet someone who's making change, who's doing with their one and only life something that's affecting thousands and maybe even more. And today we're blessed to have Alexa Curtis with us, uh, creator of Life Unfiltered with Alexa. So tell us who Alexa is for the audience that doesn't know and give us the skinny. You know, we can take the three hours if you need it, but tell us who you are. Awesome. All right. Well, back in 2011, I grew up in a really small town in eastern Connecticut. Never fit in. No money, no connections. Uh, Was pretty severely bullied. Simultaneously, my father was wrongfully convicted and put in a maximum security prison in Rhode Island when I was seven. So he got out on a plea bargain, which this is all justice stuff. So this is a whole other story. But uh, he got out when I turned 12. And that's the year that I started this blog. Really, this is back in the day. There was no social media. Blogging was not a thing. But it was an outlet for me to get over all the stuff I was dealing with my family, just being this really insecure girl in this tiny town. And so I launched the site and basically over the past 10 plus years, I'm 22 now, I was 12 then, I've built it out into this full-time lifestyle platform, really talking about social media, mental health, no longer on fashion. And then I have a podcast that talks to a lot of founders like yourself who really are open about living life unfiltered and fearlessly. That podcast helped me land a show on Radio Disney called Fearless Every Day, which was on the air for a year, which is why I initially moved to LA, um, which was their first kind of show on social media and mental health. And then along with that, I have a podcast. nonprofit that I launched back in 2016 that goes into schools and is kind of like the D.A.R.E. program. Mm-hmm. Um, so really talking about social media and mental health. Wow. We have so much in common. Yeah, I know we do. It, it's uh, to, to know that uh, when you were 12, you got an idea. What if idea? Can you remember like the, well, what if it doesn't work? And did you, can you remember what that was like to just jump into that? That's a great question. And I remember it so clearly. I remember exactly where I was. I remember my sister was in a relationship. She was married to this guy. He, she, at the time, lived in Staten Island, New York, which I don't know. It's a very like small island near Manhattan. Um, and she was fighting with her husband. And I remember it was raining outside. And she was like watching a TV show. And I just was like, I was 12. I was like, I just don't want this to be my life. I would never want to be unhappy like this. And she had told me a few days before about this girl, Tavi Jevonson, who had started this blog. I think she was 14 called Style Rookie. Um, And she was like, everyone was kind of like, you're so bad at everything. I was so bad at school. I never did well at classes. I had no friends, but I love to write. She was like, why don't you start a a blog? So I went into this guest bedroom they had next door um, to the living room where they were literally like in this fight. And I just Googled like how to start a blog and blogger.com came up and I just came up with the name of life in the fashion lane. I wrote the first post and I remember it was never something that I was like, if I don't post again, like I had no intentions. I was like, I went into it so stupid. I, I never wanted it to be anything. I just like needed an outlet. And then every day I became just obsessed with this blog for years with like no following, no new friends, but I, I eventually kind of crafted this community, but no, I had no intentions for it. And I think that's why it worked out. Mm. Yeah. I just love it. You know, the, the wired podcast is designed to to talk about how people are wired. And I think what, what I want the audience to know about what you just told us is that when you have a dream, when you have a passion or a purpose, Mm -hmm. lean into it. I I was speaking at something last night and I said, if you, if you find yourself afraid, stop and listen because something good's about to happen, jump into it. Uh, So you've been doing this now for a decade and along the journey, you started realizing mental health was one of those those core values or those core concepts that you want to make sure you talked about. Why? Why was that a big deal to you? 
Well, when I was 16, I had an eating disorder. And so I wrote this article that went kind of viral online. And a lot of girls from my high school were reaching out and their moms all about this eating disorder. Um, and, you know, it was like a just totally free website that I posted it on. And so after that, I then was asked by Talkspace, which is an online mm-hmm. therapy platform. Sure, sure. They had reached out to me and found this article. Um, it was now like two years later. And they were like, can we bring you to New York to speak on this panel on social media and mental health? Um, so at that time, I had just started, you know, really kind of overcoming this eating disorder, kind of getting out of my shell, finding a little bit of success in blogging and TV and making some money. So I spoke on this panel with these like four adults um, who had really successful companies. And I walked away from the panel and I was like, this is just what I needed in high school. And that was only one panel. So that's how I came up with the idea to kind of create the dare of social media um, with a business partner who I had met on on the panel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just became, I just was like, this is my purpose. Like I always had been really passionate about talking to kids and teens and just really living life fearlessly. But I didn't know my purpose was specifically, I think, on that topic until that panel. Mm -hmm. Um, So then when I landed the Radio Disney show and it was all along that line, it just made a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you, and and this might be an unfair question, being 22 and still kind of figuring all this stuff out, uh, where do you think mental health uh, or mental illness has has gone this last decade? Do you see an increase in, in the world that we live in? Um, we, we have some unique perspective because of our chat center, but what about you? What are you seeing? I also will say that I did forget to mention, like I personally started suffering with severe depression and anxiety diagnosed when I was about 16. So you've lived it. Yeah. So I've lived it. And I, I mean, I assume probably you, you meet kids all the time who have as well, all the time. time, Um, but I've specifically through the studies that I've seen personally that I did for the nonprofit and just for my own interest. I mean, social media has, has kind of created a very negative community in a sense Mm -hmm. with kids and especially their parents because so many parents have no clue what these platforms are. They don't know about Instagram accounts and Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, when my mom was growing up, you know, if she was really sad or depressed, she would like call a friend or go to her mom or a teacher. And it's like, now this kid might be bullied on an Instagram video or DM and they go to their mom and the mom's like, well, do you call a prince? Like I have no clue what to do or their dad or whatever. So I will say social media has created an amazing platform for young people to use. But with that, there's a huge doubt downside with mental health. Yeah. We lost a young lady in our community because of, of Instagram, um, fascination, comparison, uh, always feeling like she wasn't as pretty as the others on the, on the stream. And then also, uh, watching her friends hang out without her. And so we've lived that here and we've interviewed her parents and have footage of them sharing these hard, hard things. How can someone watching who just heard what you said start to make a difference in understanding social media with their child? Um, or if they themselves are a teenager, what kind of things can they start doing to to govern that, that use? Because that is something that's affecting us all. Yeah, I would say that there's two answers to that question. I would first go to the parents and I would say, the more involved you can become with it. You know, my mom basically raised me as a single parent. She didn't have any time, but I mm. think if she had made the time to kind of maybe understand at that point, social media or the eating disorder that I was suffering with, even what my sister dealt with growing up, um, whether that was, you know, creating it her own group at like my school, nothing against my mom, but she just wasn't as involved as I wanted with that topic. Um, So when I look at, you know, parents now, I'm like, go to the school, create, whether it's your own group, go to PTA meetings, bring up these conversations, spend time online, look at TikTok, look at Snapchat, just even have like a brief idea of it. And then for kids, I would say that, you know, this blog has gotten me through 
I could have gone in such a negative path. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I always tell to young people is you have the opportunity in life. Something's always going to happen to most people. Um, trauma, uh, depression, whatever it is. And you, it's up to you to choose what path to go down. So for me, it was writing. Yeah. Um, so find that thing, whether it's running, whether it's therapy, whatever it is, but don't use social media to be that thing in the middle. You need something that actually has purpose because until you make a career out of it, social media has not a lot of purpose. Yeah, I think it's the difference between coping and escapism, yeah. Yeah. right? Like one of them can help us develop resilience. The other one seems to just really challenge us to believe that we're all alone, even in, in a really strange way, because we're connected and wired, yeah. but we're, you know, more alone than ever before. Well, there's just so much there um, to think about, Alexa, because, you know, as you as you get these platforms uh, with your blog, uh, with Radio Disney, no doubt you're hearing stories. Can you share a recent story of one of your fans just telling you about what they're going through? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many kids that reach out all the time. Um, you know, there's one girl who I've kind of become like pen pals with. She's from England and she had started reaching out to me. She had found my Instagram and was sending me these just like really sweet messages, but she was really um, being bullied by kids in her grade. And, and I think she was maybe like 13. I won't say her name. Um, so I started like kind of sending her letters and then she would send them back to letters. Tell me more about this. Yeah. Like I, I just, yeah, letters. like actual, like an actual letter, not <laughs> She emailed me and then I would send her back um, like a letter in the yeah, mail to love England. It. Love it. Um, and then, you know, over the course of months, like I even noticed, I, I started following her on Instagram and she started like actually posting pictures of herself and just like really like cute, happy selfies. And I was like, you know, five months before I had even kind of connected with her, her page was all just like really kind of like you could, you could see that she was struggling or was very anxious or depressed. And then she started posting these like selfies. And then, you know, she replied and was like, you, you know, you've obviously really helped me. Um, so I thought that was cool. And then I met a few weeks ago, I did a talk at a hospital in Connecticut. It's all like very similar. You know, the 14, she's 14, um, dealing with like severe anxiety, severe depression. Um, and you know, she, constantly continues to email me like in the middle of the night I'll wake up and there's an email or like in the morning and for me it's just really sad because I'm like I wish that we could create this community that she has someone to always contact and I know that there's platforms out there that there you know there are but it's just this group of kids who I can relate to it so heavily that just feel so alone and it's like they don't feel like they can go to a counselor they don't have any friends they don't want to go to their parents um so it's like it's great that they want to come to me but also like how can we create more stuff like remedy to give these kids and their like desperate times of need yeah absolutely you know when we think about this conversation and in the and the real stories that you've come up uh, come up against you know i think about unfiltered you know that means that it's real it's honest um, I, I assume you'd, you'd agree that this is a generation that does want the real deal. They don't want to skirt around it. Um, but, but why is it that so many kids today, do you think, still kind of live in this secret, isolated struggle rather than being courageous like you? And I'm not saying that they're all not you know, choosing, but why do people stay in secret about these mental health issues? Um. You know, I will I will back you up and I will say that I was not like this growing up. I was like your classic kid who had no friends. I was not confident. Like I was not a pretty girl. Um, you know, I was just like I was a very young, just insecure kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that as I got older, my platform, you know, it's been like you said, a decade. So I've become confident with this, yeah. um, which is like very rare. But I would say that mental health has such a stigma behind it. Um, and I will also say that social media has created a platform that many people use things like anxiety, depression and eating disorder to gain more followers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've seen that in your research, but I think because of that, um, 
everyone's really craving that person to look up to who's really authentic and it can be so difficult to find that person now yeah. um, and so I think that that stigma will just kind of maintain until really people can start making a bigger impact with mental health offline yeah. and it's great to say you're on Instagram and like you're having a day where you're very anxious or depressed and that's great but also like are you qualified to be talking about depression you know is the 12 year old who's looking up to you on your profile like gonna now think that because you have depression it's cool and she wants to be depressed you know there's so there's just so much stuff behind it. So I'd like to see the more people that can do stuff offline to talk about this than necessarily online as much. Yeah. I want to just throw some stats at you that we've learned through our Get School Tour and see what you think and give me some feedback. You know, uh, we asked students, uh, just over 100,000 kids, you know, how they would want to confront some of what we call the secret struggle in their life and if they had one. And Texting was an option. Face-to-face was an option. Uh, online services uh, were an option. Um, y- you know, using some type of, uh, of form of art or expression like we talked about earlier. And we, we are stunned to know that um, 40% of them, which was the highest of all the options, was face-to-face. Mm. Uh, does that surprise you? Yes, it does. Okay. Um, I think especially the school talks that I've done, I don't see a lot of kids like communicating. It's not like I'm like, oh, who's depressed? And everyone's like, oh, me, like and looking around. No one wants to talk about it. So I, that's really interesting. Yeah. And then equally that same number, um, and it's almost cookie cutter. Um, and this is the this is the eerie thing. But school after school after school, 108,000 school, or no, 108 schools, 108,000 kids, We've learned that 30% or one in three kids struggle with high anxiety and equally the same for depression. Mm-hmm. Does that surprise you? No. Okay. So, um, and, and that's the ones that say they're struggling with high. Yeah. There's a lot, again, in that middle range that are struggling. Maybe it's seasonal. Maybe it's something else. Then we ask the question, um, and this is a big one, uh, do you know someone in your circle of influence that's struggling with thoughts of suicide? Two out of three said they did Mm -hmm. of over a hundred thousand kids. And this is Northeast conservative corn jump in Indiana. Does that surprise you? No. Okay. No. Um, and I think that also, you know, the people who are, you know, some of the kids who also probably answered that status, it's them, it's them thinking about suicide. Yeah. Well, we actually asked the question and I'm very clear when I do this with the students, I don't want to talk yet about yours. We get, well, I'm going to get to that. Do you know, and, and then I swing it at the end after I find the data. I said, now we have a privileged opportunity because now two thirds of you in this room can save a life today. Yeah. So, um, th- so the question that we do ask is, uh, have you seriously considered suicide yourself in the last 12 months? And 31% of over 100,000 kids say yes. And what ages? This is uh, 13 up to 19, you know? So it's middle school, high school. We have a 5% return at the end of every one of our assemblies where kids will show up to talk to a professional therapist in the talk room of the school. So 5% of a student population is immediately talking about those ideations, those struggles, those depressions, some of them hospitalized by day's end because of a, of a plan and a date on the calendar. I, I'm not saying those things uh, because I want to depress you, no. but I assume none of those things surprise you because no. of what you're seeing, what you're hearing. Oh, of course. So other than what you're doing, other than what we're doing, what can corporate America start doing? Yeah. 
Uh, I would love to see, especially as someone like that was my first encounter working kind of a corporate job for a company. Um, and so I had a whole year there to really kind of examine, like, is this what other people in corporate jobs, you know, are, are experiencing? Um, and I think that it's great. You know, there's these sessions. I know my mom had told me about like when I first started with them and, and whatnot that you can get like free therapy and stuff. But I didn't feel like it was talked about enough. Like, I think that it would have been really great to maybe get a survey via email. Do you feel like you've had any anything happen over the past few weeks? Like, can you write about it here? Even like, you know, once a month um, that could even be written or like, are you feeling depressed or do you feel like you're more anxious when you're going into this office? Anything like that, I think would be great. And I would also love to see more companies take on platforms like Talkspace, ClassPass yeah. to create more of a community, right? I sure. mean, so often my mom's a mental health nurse. So the amount of time she comes home um, and she's just, I mean, she's 70. She's been working at this hospital in Eastern Connecticut for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. She comes home and she just has like these patients that are just, you know, really affecting my mom's also mental health. And yeah, I see it sure. and I'm, or she's being bullied by someone. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it because as someone who works for myself, I'm like, is there no one you can go and talk to? And she's like, well, you write up a report, but like, you know, the best thing to do is go and go up to this person and tell them. And it's like, it's like high school. Um, so I think that if, you know, there can be more weekend programs or like after hours programs that it's like, are you dealing with something that here's a board of people to come and talk to mm -hmm. and like address it? Um, just because everyone is so alone, yeah. you know, whether you're working corporate, whether you're working for yourself, whether you're a kid, you're an adult, we've just, there's a culture right now that is just not made it uh, acceptable to reach out for help. Yeah. And this is across the board. Yeah. If we can invest and just make it pervasive, yeah. that we will start talking about it. We will have people of like you influencers talking about it and make sure that everyone knows it's okay to not be okay. I think we could change this culture. Well, let's uh, swing a pendulum over here. I, I've, I'm assuming you've read the book, iGen. Have you read that book? No. Oh, I need to get you a copy of this. Who wrote that book? Uh, tw her, her last name's Twinge. Okay. And I'm saying it wrong and everyone's <laughs> going to tell me that now. I, no, um, I haven't. I'll, we'll get to the book. Okay. Um, really great research around everything that you and I think about every day as we speak with students. One of the things that I'm most interested in, this is a faith-based organization, Remedy Live. People are, as soon as I say that, they're like, oh, the Christians, what's that going to be like? <laughs> Um, but we've committed to extend God's love, no string attached. So most of our clients are coming from everything from an atheist perspective to, you know, maybe I went to church once to I'm being bullied because of my sexual orientation. You know, we just love all these kids. But one of the things that she says in her book that's fascinating is that there's been this really interesting connection between students that have struggled more in the last decade. And we could say that a lot of it has to do with screen time because that's her pitch. But she also correlates the connection to a generation that's less interested in faith. And I got to pick your brain about yeah. this. How do you think believing in something bigger than yourself fits into this equation about dealing with mental health? That's an awesome question. I've never been asked that before, um, but I know... You know, my now ex-boyfriend was very religious um, and I didn't really grow up with like a lot of religion, but also my mom, she's Christian and she was always like, I remember as a kid always trying to get me to go to church, but mm. simultaneously, I will say that was around the time that my father was um, incarcerated. So mm. for me, yeah, yeah, and that was, you know, for me, I, I wish that I looked back and I, and I wish it had been more of like a, I don't know, I, I wish almost maybe there had been a way to make it a little bit sexier. It was not like, I don't want to go to church and like cry to someone about my dad being like, I'm mortified. Yeah, yeah I get it. Uh, and I think my mom pushed that too much on me. And then she just gave up, you know, then I became like 14 and was like, I'm not going to church. I, I just don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, so I will say that from a parent's perspective, I think that there's a way to make this, you know, 
spirituality and religion like much more appealing and yeah, not in the way that my mom did yeah. it um so you know i bring on my ex-boyfriend because he was grew up with a very religious you know community in the town that he's from which is close to where i'm from um and there were many times that you know something i have a very interesting but um stressful life like being yeah. an entrepreneur at this age and he was always like you know if you were religious or you had something else and my mom would say that sometimes too um so for me i've become like more spiritual mm. um but i look back and i'm like for me i just don't have that connection to religion because i didn't have it growing growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm like, I kind of am just super OCD and like stuck in my ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I yearn for that sometimes. Mm -hmm. So to answer that question, I think it's crucial that you find something. It doesn't need to be God. Um, but you can find something in that bigger purpose in life because otherwise I think you will struggle more. Um, you will deal with more depression and anxiety because I'm, I have, um, so I would highly encourage it. Well, I appreciate your feedback about it. You know, we've just, we've just seen a fascinating, last year we had 60,000 conversations with kids nationwide. And a lot of these kids, as I've already admitted, had no spiritual interest. But you make that point about the attraction model. At Remedy, we want to know, we ask the question, how are you? And we mean it. Like, we want to really know. And people like talking about themselves. Um, And we've noticed that that's been a really great bridge of trust for us to be able to ask some questions about hope. Where do you get your hope from? Where do you get your purpose from? Now, the things of this world that we have, they they sometimes don't work out. You mentioned some obstacles and some struggles. So we're trying to help them understand that there's something bigger than themselves that they could believe in. We're not forcing it, but we're suggesting it because we believe that the hope of the world comes through a relationship with the creator. And we've just been fascinated as to how many kids' lives have changed when they start investigating that. So I really appreciate you being willing to talk about it. Yeah. Now I want to ask about... uh, Alexis self-care model. Um, your assistant's offset here, and I could probably ask her better than ask you because you're probably not going to be honest with oh, me about God, this. Oh, God, no, I'm yeah. very honest, and I write about this all the time. And, and she can, like, um, well, I came here, and they, they brought us here visit Fort Wayne, and um, they gave us separate hotel rooms, and I'm such a light sleeper, okay. and she knows this. So this was great because that even, like, that's a huge part of my routine. Like, I am very, like, anal about sleeping. Um, yeah. If I don't get enough sleep, I find myself dealing with a lot more anxiety, a lot more depression. Um, so I've gotten to a point now where I just, and especially like living in LA, everyone's going out all the time. It's like no one works a normal job. I thoroughly enjoy getting up at five or six. I like going to the gym. I'm like very religious about meditating in the morning. I use Headspace. I always have the same coffee and I travel so much. So the more that I can keep that routine in LA, the more it's easier than when I come like here and the time difference and stuff. And I often find myself more anxious or even dealing with a little bit more depression the more I'm traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think just creating that balance for myself is so crucial. And I really advise young people to do that as well um and then i also have many many times where i just can't like it's it's just it's too much yeah. um and all i started taking social media off on sundays i will That's delete good. instagram off my phone i will delete snapchat off my phone facebook and i won't tweet anything i, I won't even look at it yeah. um and everyone's like why do you actually take it off your phone like i click like delete and i'm like well otherwise i'm gonna go on it like yeah. for me that it's too tempting well done um and so i, I highly suggest that too yeah no that's great <laughs> yeah. you know you just define sabbath for us that's yeah. fantastic <laughs> Uh, so self-care for you, you're, you're self-aware, sounds like routine's important yeah. to you. Um, what do you do? How, how do you da- handle chaos and, and unexpected chaos, especially? Um, do you have a community of people around you that you can cry out for help? Yeah. Is, that, is that a practice of yours? Yeah, I have a few different things and it's taken me a really long time to get to where I am now. You know, five years ago, I couldn't even tell you the amount of times um, I would like 
oh my gosh, things that would happen or even like with TV segments or if I was getting paid and I didn't have anyone and I didn't have that community of friends. And I remember so many times I would just sit in an airport and just cry. And I'm like, I'm never going to be successful. By the time I've been successful, I'm going to get like sued because I've done or like illegally signed a contract at 16. I have no clue. Um, And now I do. And I have a group of friends that it's taken me a long time to build. And I've had to remove a lot of toxic people from my life. And now every week something happens. And I always have those like two really close people that I can go to. Um, and always call them and they're always on the same page and they're honest, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to like lie. So if like, if I've made an error or, you know, um, or I've done something that like, I just shouldn't have done, they're going to be like, we shouldn't have done this. And you know that. So like, what, what can we do now to make you feel better? Um, and that's really important. And then also, you know, therapy is a huge thing as well for me. It sounds like you're, and and I love it. I think everyone needs therapy all the time, but talk about, talk a bit about that. And I mean, therapy, it sucks because it's so expensive and like, I don't have insurance. So I pay out of pocket for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't pay out. I mean, I would be paying like a grand a month on therapy. Yeah. Um, so I will say that, you know, um, in the moments that I feel like I, I really need someone, I'm, I'm glad that I have like my friends that I can really go to now. Um, but you know, there's been times where I've, I've thought about suicide and I've like made an appointment with a therapist, even if I'm in a different city and I'm like, I need to see someone now. That's great. And I think it really comes to figuring and finding yourself out. Yeah. And I know myself now, like to the bone that I know the minute that I find myself getting burnt out, that I feel depressed or anxious, I can't just sit there because also I run this company, right? Yeah. So if I'm depressed and I can't get out of bed, who's going to pay the bills? Sure. Who's going to inspire these kids? Like yeah. it's all me. Yeah. Um, so it just really comes to just experience. Yeah, I know. Self-awareness and being able to be uh, yeah. humble enough to ask for help like it sounds like you figured all that out and i, and I, I love it out <laughs> yeah but you're doing yeah, that yeah. and that's you know we've had people that we've had the privilege of knowing um as leaders and they just don't yeah and their families fall apart and their lives fall apart and then like you said when they run a business uh, or they run a family then the family and the business start to fall apart as well yeah well let's end on a on a on again a, a note that um really i think for our audience and for the kids that we care for and love deeply. Um, Tell us what hope is to Alexa. What does it mean to hope? I think hope is kind of finding that deeper purpose and realizing that a lot of people are not given the opportunity to live. And I will say that, you know, in the moments that I feel really depressed or anxious, I'm like, you know, I don't want to feel like this all the time because there's so many people who are not able to live. Like, you know, you were put here for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, And hope is that, is figuring out that deeper purpose Mm -hmm. um, and why you're here. Mm 